I would look forward to some give and take on this um, and uh, what your experiences are and push around your questions and thoughts on this topic. It's um, My experience is that we as a network of men have focused on Romans 12, 1 and 2 of renewing your mind and that rightfully so is um, as Winston has just said you know as a man thinketh so is he we got to renew our minds but this is a topic that I think for me has just really um, in the last oh, five six months I've just taken it on and just massaged it in the scriptures and found that my walk was lacking a understanding of what it means to listen to God and it's frankly just turned my walk upside down and um, understand renewing your mind I mean study 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 but this is more about investing in the relationship and um, so it's become a passion over the last few months for me (coughs) just to implement it and I find myself becoming much much more sensitive to God's leading and in the midst of the battle in a negotiation or speaking with somebody I, I find myself waiting for God to speak in ways that I had before and so that practice I think is paying off for me um, so that's my experience um, and in my study, I found that um, an example of why you can start from zero on this. And uh, you know, maybe you've been, you may have been walking with the Lord for years and not have this uh, personal relationship uh, the way it was intended to be. So I just I, I pulled up a few things to think about here on uh, how you might develop the relationship. And the first one that came to me was in uh, 1 Samuel 3. So, if you turn there, you got your word. If not, we can read it out loud and um, we can uh, see what we can learn from this. So this is uh, 1 Samuel 3 uh, verses 1 through 10. So does anybody have that that can read that for us? 1 Samuel chapter 3. So this is uh, <coughs> this is the young boy, lad, Samuel. And uh, he is with Eli, who is the priest. And uh, so you've got to read, read the 1 through 10. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of armies in Shiloh. Uh, Is first, that first Samuel 3? Okay, wait, ah, wrong chapter, sorry. Yeah. I'll get there. First Samuel 3. Okay, starting verse 1? One? 1 to 10. 1 to 10. Okay. Um, now, the boy Samuel was attending to the service of the Lord before Eli. Correct? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. But it happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. 
Now his eyesight had begun to be poor, and he could not see well. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. That the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down, and the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you, that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Through ten, you said? Yeah, one more. Okay. Then the Lord came and stood and called as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak for your servant is listening. So, I, th- I thought this is an appropriate uh, illustration of how you start from uh, a place where maybe you haven't had this intimate relationship with God. And here's Samuel, a young boy, just without it. And so, how do you get there? And so, a few observations, and maybe you have some. In the end, he's, the whole issue is, is he willing? And he says, here I am, Lord. And it seems to me that's what's required, is to say, here I am, speak to me. Any thoughts, any other observations on, on this passage? I wish it was as easy as actually hearing that voice because even when I'm in prayer and meditation is my own ego and my own thoughts and stuff are they cluttering me to the point that I don't actually hear what he wants to say to me did the fact he called on Eli have what, what role did Eli have in that exchange he kept going to Eli. Because Samuel didn't know the voice of the Lord, but he heard the voice. Right. He mistakenly assumed it was Eli. Oh, okay. So. And Eli said, No, I, it's not me. Okay. Three times he said, No, it's not me. It's the Lord calling you, so here's your attitude. When he calls again, say, Here I am, Lord. And so I think Eli had was a great teacher in giving him that insight that no, you were hearing me, you were hearing the Lord respond. Well, and I, I guess that's kind of what I was trying to uh, get to. Is, you know, Eli said, uh, go and, and no, I didn't call you. But if we're asking for the Lord to, to speak to us, you know, is, is it our own ego getting in the way? Could it possibly be the, de- the devil speaking to us, you know? Are these things getting in the way, and how do we get that out of the way? Yeah, I, I, I think the answer, my 
observation is the answer to that is yes. And the world can be giving me all kinds of nonsense in my mind. My flesh can be speaking. Um, the enemy for sure. And so the other point that I wanted to talk about here is what filters do you have in your walk to ensure that you are discerning whose voice it is. Now, ultimately, it's by faith. But um, this morning, I tried to give a few of those uh, filters, and um, I found those to be very helpful. So, the first one that was obvious was, do you remember the one in James 3 that I went through on the difference between Satan's voice and God's voice? Very distinct. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned to Satan's general. Yeah, very generalized. Yeah. You you also kind of also mentioned he this absolute almost absolute always. You always do this. You always there there seems no very room for generalization. Yeah. Satan is famous for for generalizing. He's an accuser, he's a deceiver, and he speaks in generalizations because of that. Except when he tempted Jesus. I'm sorry? Not when he tempted Jesus. Okay. Yeah, but he manipulated the scriptures in that case. Mm -hmm. Very specific. He he deceived, he was deceiving Jesus. So you can, that's another great filter, is whatever you're hearing has to line up with the word. And so, you remember that Acts uh, 17 (coughs) passage where the Bereans took what they heard daily and took it to the Word to see if what they heard was true. So, whatever you hear, take it to the Word to verify it. And that's why the Word is there, that passage in Acts 17. Uh, What you hear, filter it through the Word. And if it's not, if if they're not lined up, get rid of it. It's not from God. Because we know this is from God. So, what you hear, whether it comes from the pulpit or, you know, that small voice in your mind or wherever it's coming from, filter it through the Word. And if it doesn't line up, dismiss it. But if it does line up, then you know you got something. And then you've got to, you know, you've got to commit, well, what do I do with it? You know, what, what's the application here for me? Uh, so yes, I think Satan speaks in generalities. He accuses. He he manipulates. God does not. God is straight. He'll come right at you. He's specific. Um, he doesn't accuse. He will. I mean, he will point out the sin, but he will also edify specifically. The other passage that. I was referring to was James 3 where he differentiates the voice of Satan versus the voice of God. Do you remember that when when I was... So this is... uh, um, This is James 3.13. He says... Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, and gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, arrogance, 
lying against the truth, this wisdom is not what comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. So you know that's not of God. So if you're in discussions or something's putting in your brain those things that have those characteristics, get rid of them. However, he says in this same passage, but the wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. So, I mean, we all have that discernment between those two concepts to know that first group from the second group. Does it make sense? Is that, is that helpful? Or no? Yeah, you bet it is. Very. Jim, let me ask a question if I could. Employing that is to be the filter in understanding whether or not what you're hearing or responding or what's being, what you're thinking you're hearing is of God or is of some other source. I don't want to say Satan, but just maybe just miscellaneous nonsense. Might be my flesh. Exactly. Yeah. What about, and you're going to maybe get to this, but what about those times when we sit and we get nothing? What do you do when you experience that, or have you, and what, what suggestions or ideas do you have for us? Is it possible to sit and spend 15 minutes thinking and asking the Lord to speak with you and to pray about something specific and get nothing. Well, and I think that His Word is His voice. Okay. And so... That's great. You go to His Word and He will speak. I mean, it's just a given. So... Go to the Word. Go to the Word and start reading it and he will he speaks to you it's impossible not to yeah yeah okay thank you because this is his word this mm-hmm. is his voice and so pick your passage and reading it and God is speaking to you That makes sense. You bet. Are you buying that? Yeah. Yep. I've struggled with these sorts of questions a lot, and I, I, I really I, I appreciate the well that God does speak sometimes. It's sometimes my own self-deception or my own attitude, my own ignorance, and sometimes it's the culture that's influenced me since the day I was born, and sometimes it's it's demonic influence for sure. But but it's when it's when it, when he appears to be silent, um, the most painful thing. Um, but I think it also can be helpful. Um, it can be helpful to remember that he already has spoken in his word, uh, and to ask if I if I've taken action on that uh, before I accept it uh, like a, a, a magic eight ball to give me another. Another tasty, tasty word that feels so pleasurable, um, and, and that the absence of this, that the, when I feel like he's not speaking, 
kind of thing. He's maybe just revealing my hunger for spiritual pleasure and a feeling of closeness to him. And my sadness is my heart warning this thing that I need to let go of when I don't feel his presence. And my frustration with him is my little tantrum uh, of not getting what I want. And he's showing me this good, this, this beautiful reality about myself, which is really good. Um, to me to be aware of it helps me know my the, 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 the desperation of my condition and need for him and the significance of his grace and there's like so much good there in that, that 15 minutes or 15 years of like you know you said I was going to have a have a son and I'd be a father of a great nation and it's not it's not happening where are you Lord there's so much good in that silence and sometimes it's just see myself and being left uh, left to, to that's, that's a gift from God it's just an awful painful one uh, depending on what's there and it's a, I, I have a lot of you don't feel God's presence when you don't hear him super valuable super painful you probably need a bunch of prayers um, to help you help you through that because it's unbearably lonely uh, sometimes in that, in that quietness to continue to sort of lean in and engage in these spiritual dip and read the Bible even though it feels like dust uh, uh, continue to say here I am and present myself to God even though it feels like he doesn't show up and I think he's going to time out but he's there and he's doing things that he feels like it's not I find that when I ask for something from him, that uh, many times it'll be silent. Um, and I'm looking for an answer. And many times my conclusion is my righteous man shall walk by faith. And I'm looking for a definitive yes, no, and he is unwilling to do it because he wants me dependent walking by faith. So, God is more interested in my process of going through that as opposed to the accuracy of my decision. So, he's more interested in, am I willing to walk by faith, trusting him, without knowing if my decision is accurate. So kind of trusting more in him that going through that process instead of him just saying, oh, here's the answer. Yes. You're, you're, you're staying close to him by walking in that faith. It makes me, puts me on my knees. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. I, it makes me dependent. And I think my experience is that's Many times, why is he silent? Is because he wants to walk, wants us walking, depending on him. If he was just going to give an an answer, then our walk wouldn't have the richness that it would. Speaking of myself. No, on that same thing, maybe he he wants you to continue that walk in faith. So, um, as 
was mentioned, uh, somebody mentioned Kierkegaard. So when you, you've taken more steps down that path and you look back, you see that it was a gift. So, go back to that John 7.17 passage of if you're willing to do His will, then you will know. But we want to know ahead of time before we take action. (laughs) I think He wants our step of faith, our decision of faith, before He's going to reveal Himself. That's the way I understand that verse. But, the good side of that is once we do take a step of faith, He does reveal Himself, and then He confirms us in that step of faith. So, it's like it's like dealing with the skeptic. He wants all the answers ahead of time before He commits. Mm-hmm. God will not allow it. I find that in the uh, when I'm seeking direction or I'm confronted with a decision that I need to make, I uh, you know as far as the Trinity is concerned, we, I always see God and I always see Jesus up there and ignore the fact that I've got the Holy Spirit right inside me. And I, I think part of the role of the Holy Spirit in, in communicating what God wants us to do is through our feelings. You know, if I'm confronted with a business decision that is going to involve some risk, as versus, versus staying right where I am, where it's comfortable... God, are you wanting me to take this step, which is in fact a step in faith? And how does God respond to that? And I find either a sense of peace about the decision of of, of making that kind of a decision, or I think it's also the role of the Holy Spirit too to make us feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. about our direction or something that we're doing. And all of that is listening to God. It's not coming to us in the form of words or a thought. It's coming in more from the heart as to how are we feeling about this? And uh, more times than not, if I really evaluate my motives for stepping out into uh, a decision involving risk, if they are pure motives, uh, i.e. not just to make more money or to do this or more, gain more power or any of those things, the Holy Spirit will give me a, a feeling of comfort, of comfort, about stepping out in faith. That's how I've had. Uh, that for me is a big part of listening to what what God has got to say. 
think a great filter would be your accountability group or men that are you've surrounded yourself with and taking a decision before them and trusting that God speaks through them and uh, that can be a, a great filter to discern whether you're hearing from God or it's your own emotion or your own flesh or I was going to say that yeah, like we really need all those things, right? That, that God gives us peace that surpasses us. And those people who work on those people are also works in our community. But neither is neither is infallible, right? It's Jesus' own community. He he takes he behind the scenes to so it's his one of his best friends, right? Um, to us 180 degrees different than what we think. That's what I was kind of thinking is I'm like, can we even when we ask and stuff, can we accept the answer when the answer is no? Or he's coming from left field on that. And what do you do with that? And can you trust it? And how do you go about trusting it? And it may take some time. I mean, you may take it to some men to help filter through it. You may take it to the Word to help filter through it. And it may take you and your emotions to go from, oh, I would never do that, to God's really pushing me in there. I'm gaining more and more peace with that direction. And it may take some time and prayer to get there. Because He's 180 degrees different than us. There was a, uh, a few years back when somebody was, did a study on how do I know the will of God? It kind of seems to fit in a little bit. But probably the best advice I ever heard was take a step, pray, listen, wait. Take a step, pray, listen, wait. Seek counsel of the guys, go to the Word, take a step, pray, listen, wait. You don't have to decide to move to the other side of the world today. You might just make it a mile down the road. It was just a great reminder. It's good. Patience is and being and waiting on it. I um, in my research here I came up with a prayer in Daniel chapter nine. And this is the great prayer of confession that Daniel makes. And uh, it's really a, it's a prayer of repentance that he has ignored the voice of God. And if you read that, uh, it's really remarkable. I really encourage you to spend some time. Gen- it's Daniel chapter 9, uh, verses 9 to 13, particularly in the areas where he confesses that he has... Uh, 
abandon the voice of God. And that's all he says. He doesn't say what he missed. Just say he says he's just confessing and what the consequence has been because he's abandoned the voice of God and disobeyed the voice of God. And those consequences that he describes in that prayer are significant. And if you're not getting answers from God, it may be that it's time for repentance. Mm. Or maybe uh, Daniel chapter 9, particularly verses 9 to 13 are the ones that he discusses uh, the voice of God. Um, so, you know, a healthy, healthy prayer life includes confession. Mm. And my own personal experience is I have missed the voice of God over and over and over. And uh, I'm now in a position of repentance because of that, not recognizing it, let alone obeying it. And so as I'm learning to recognize it, I found that, oh boy, I really missed it. And so I'm feeling like I need to be repentant of missing his voice and ignoring it. And uh, now that I'm becoming more and more aware of it over the last number of months, having gone through this exercise here, I uh, am faced with a decision. Okay, that's you, God, talking. What am I going to do with that? Am I going to ignore you again? Because it doesn't feel right? Because I don't want to? Because I'm being willful? Or am I going to carry it out. I found this particularly in my case in areas of evangelism. And I I got a guy at the health club or wherever, my neighbor, whomever, name it. And I'm standing there and God's saying, what are you going to do with this guy? What is your purpose? It's you and him, and you're talking about painting your house. What happens to the gospel right now? And I literally can hear that in the back of my mind. And I'm saying, is that... Well, I guess it is you, God. Now my question is, is am I going to ignore you? Exactly. Yeah. Am I going to say, oh, you know, the time's not right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to know what I think? I told you, and now what are you going to do? Yeah. And so that's part of the risk here of learning to discern God's... When you recognize it, He's going to have... Give the opportunity to to go. To take that risk. And I found it to be exciting. But I also have opportunities for repentance because I blow it. I'm still learning. And I suspect probably the rest of my life I'm going to be learning to pay attention to God. In the past, this has been, if I didn't want to hear from God, I just close this book up. If I want to hear from Him, I open it up. But now, 
I'm understanding that he lives right here, and he's always talking to me. He's always got something to say. So he says, you're without excuse. And he's acting in my best interest, so what's my problem? My problem is my own sin. So I recommend repentance because it will free you up and will a little liberate you. And uh, uh, I think Winston related that to Psalm 51 where David David is broken. God says the sacrifices of God are broken and contrite heart. And I think that's what's required to hear being broken, being available, being contrived in heart. And now I'm ready to listen. But if it's my agenda, my schedule, my desires, God is not going to impose himself on me. I'm going to push him right in the background at my own peril. So that's kind of what I had in terms of learning to discern his voice and what to do about it. Um, Another story that I'm sure you're familiar with that came up in my study was the story of Gideon. And you remember Gideon, God called on him to defeat the Midian army. And... uh, of 135,000 men. And Gideon was a wheat thrasher. As far as I can tell you, some kind of farm activity. And uh, God called him. said, I'm calling on you to go defeat the army. It's Gideon like, who, me? <laughs> and God says, yeah, here's I think the number is 22,000 men that Gideon identified. I mean, still ridiculous odds. And God tells him, he says, go down to the water and the men who bring up the water with their hands to to drink, dismiss them. But the guys that get down into the water and lap it up with their tongues, those are the guys I want you to keep. Well, went down to 300. God says, it's still too many. And then God says, okay, now you're ready. I'm going to give you pitchers and trumpets. And I want you to defeat the 135,000 with pitchers, break the pitchers, and play the trumpets. Gideon's like, and God repeats it and says that's my expectation now go do it and Gideon says well I just want to make sure (laughs) and so if you remember the story he does the fleece where correct me if I'm wrong he sets out the stone and if it's wet the next morning uh, he'll know it's of God 
And so he does that, and it's wet the next morning. And Gideon says, wow, this, he's serious. Well, he says, one more time. So I'm going to set the stone out tomorrow morning, and if it's dry, I'll know it's your will. And it was, he did it, and it was dry. And I may not get the story exactly right, but that's close. And uh, so he goes and he does it. And he defeats 135, he kills 125,000 Midianites. 120,000 and 15,000 are left and they surrender to the trumpets. Anyhow, it's a great story that you might want to go back and it just tells you about the power of God and Gideon listening to him, but also (laughs) wanting to make sure that he understood God's will and so he does this fleece. Uh, It's a great filter. It's another filter in our arsenal of God, what do you really want from me? <coughs> so that's uh, the other side is I put there on your outline a whole slew of scriptures that talk about the Word of God and its legitimacy in terms of helping us understand His will. And we won't go there, but that's just you know some scriptures for you to go through on your own to understand what he's saying. you have an extra one, Jim? Oh, yeah. Thank you, buddy. Are there extras around here? I've got one. Here comes one. Thank you. Um, The other thing I wanted to just briefly go on was you know, this is somewhat a very subjective concept, and we're trying to learn how God, what His ways are, and it sounds almost preposterous until you learn and practice. And I think as you practice uh, discerning His Word and obeying it, you become much, much closer to it and much more understanding of what he wants from you. What is he saying? So there's a... I think my point is you've got to be careful of having an expectation that you understand it right off the bat. It takes work. You've got to be intentful. And uh, the enemy is waiting to upset the apple cart here. So it takes time to learn... Uh, his voice and divided him. So, those verses and others, if you were to do your own study in understanding the Word of God, it would bless you richly. And you can just go to a concordance and just look it up, the voice of God and listening to God, and you can learn a lot just by doing that. It's one of the most prolific commands in the Scriptures. I have no idea. It's huge, it's everywhere. Understanding the voice of God, obeying the voice of God. And the voice of God is nothing more than the Bible. So, that's a great discernment, is learning that. A couple other resources that I thought I'd suggest to you is um, that book 
uh, this book right here, Making Time for Prayer, and I pitched it uh, earlier today. Um, this is, uh, if, if you guys, I know John does this, I don't know how many times a year, he goes out to Glen Area and spends a Saturday morning, three, four, five hours, just going through this book on your own, there's some corporate prayer, and then individual prayer, and this is a great vehicle to start learning the voice of God, because this thing is just made for what we're talking about here on learning. Highly recommended. Uh, this uh, Gail Jackson. Do you remember that name? Mm-hmm. He, he put this together, and uh, I have used it over the years. And every time I walk away spending those four hours, I like, why did I wait to do this? I need to do this weekly. And it is so powerful in my life. And. Uh, I just can't recommend it enough. Make sure you do it. Schedule it. Um, And I would schedule, you know, I challenged the group for 10 days starting Monday morning. Put in your calendar. Get an appointment with God on your calendar at 6 a.m. or whatever time it is. And put it on the calendar just like any other appointment. Get rid of all the distractions and just focus on Him for that hour. But if you don't make an appointment, <coughs> that hour becomes 35 minutes. First you start doing something else first, thinking, let me do this first, and then I'll go over and spend my hour. It never happens. Exactly. And it, 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 the corners get rounded, mm-hmm. and you end up abandoning the whole process. So you have to be intentful, and it's a discipline, it's a willful action. Um, but the benefits are enormous. So I highly recommend this. If you don't have this, uh, buy one down there on the table. Do they talk about the 10-day challenge in there, or is it strictly the half-day? Uh, just the half-day. Now, I will tell you, tell you see, I think it's in there. Uh, there's another... Uh, I think I have one. There's another pamphlet down there called uh, Seven Minutes with God. It was written by the former owner of the ranch here, Bob Foster. And uh, it's the same concept of the hour, only he starts out with seven minutes. But the problem with seven minutes... Hmm. A little short. It's too short. (laughs) And you can't... You just go through it like this. So seven minutes turns into an hour pretty quick. That's been my experience. And frankly, an hour turns into two hours now. Mm-hmm. You know, you get so involved in the relationship and sure. you're speaking, it just grows on you. The more it feeds you, the more you want. Yeah, exactly. So this is, um, I think, really important. And Gail wrote this <coughs> with the same thing that we're talking about here in mind. So... Pick one of these up. Um, The other thing that I would recommend, two other things, is the devotionals down there that (coughs) Walt Hendrickson wrote, Diary Diary of a Desperate Man, the blue one, and then the red one is warnings for people not listening to God. 
those things, they've got a little uh, devotional per day and uh, throughout the year, day one through 365. And they force you to think. They force you to meditate. You read those things in all of about five, seven, ten minutes. You might read them again to meditate on it. But they are great vehicles for this hour. They're just perfect amount and they, they're challenging. They force you to think and you come away with an application on what do I do with this. And uh, Walt was just brilliant with those two devotionals. Highly recommend and I think they're down there. I didn't. I didn't yeah, all three, the blue, the green, and the red are down there. Yes. And they have the black, which is the leather mouth. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, the green one is. That's uh, the weekly one, if I remember correctly. It's really deep. It, yeah. It, it, you take one of those and you go over it every day and you really kind of delve into it. Yeah. Um. So I recommend those. I use those daily, and it, it'll help formulate your theology mm-hmm. and really um, <coughs> give you something to chew on on a, uh, a hour basis, quiet time kind of thing to, to learn and grow. So powerful tools. The last thing I wanted to bring up was a book that I had that a guy gave me when I first came to Christ, and that's called The Practice of the Presence of God. And it's by a monk by the name of Brother Lawrence. And you can pick it up on, gosh, probably just a couple bucks or from Amazon. And um, it's all about this issue. It's all this issue of learning to the presence of God and practicing it and growing in it. And so I highly recommend that. So that's all I've got, unless there's any more discussion, any more ideas you want to share or experiences. I read that I was reading the warnings one that Henderson Henderson had, and uh, I mean most of them are really good and and thought-provoking, but I found some of them that they're kind of, there's suppositions and there's there's things that are not really I think you have to be careful reading it. But I think he had some things, perhaps his own perspective. It doesn't balance with other scriptures. So, well, and I, I think so, you have to be um, careful with anything. It's a commentary. I think, I think the, the, you're talking about uh, Desperate Man, the blue one. The warning. And yeah, and then he did the red one later in his life. And I've heard this from several people: is that takes on a a kind of a different tone that yeah he, the green he realizes the that, that there were the green some one is a little dark. <laughs> that he, he there was kind of an evolution in his uh, thinking and all when he went through from the first one to the last one that he wrote so I think the wisdom here is like anything else Whatever you hear, whether it's a commentary like what we're talking about that Walt wrote or somebody else wrote, take it and push it through the scriptures, the Mm -hmm. filter, Mm -hmm. which is the truth, and see if it's true. 
And if it's not, then throw it out. But if it is true, then chuck it. Yeah, chuck up if it's not. But if it's true, then you got an obligation to deal with it and um, apply it. And I think uh, many times I have found that I'm the variable. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one that needs the correction. Mm-hmm. Because the I'm very variable and not the constant. <laughs> right. The content's solid, and I'm the one, the variable that needs to rethink this and and make the correction. Um, not that you're right, any of these are uh, infallible. They're not. The only infallible resource we have is really the Bible. That, uh, that verse that I'm referring to, I think, is helpful, and you ought to have it in your arsenal if you don't. And that's uh, Acts um, 17, 11. And I'm just going to read it to you, just so you have it. Uh, now, this is Paul and Silas were preaching uh, in uh, Berea. And it says, Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily, to see whether these things were so. Be like the Bereans. Be a Berean. So. Get it straight from the horse's mouth. That's it. That's it. Well, let me pray and then we'll go to lunch. I think we're, how's our time? <coughs> Pretty, close. Okay. Pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. Father, what a blessing we have that you have reached out and pulled us out of the pit and brought us to yourself. That you have given us the hope of eternal life through Jesus. That you have given us the relationship that is so precious to you and to us through him. So Lord, we desire to learn how to relate to you and learn your ways and to establish this communication. So teach us, guide us, um, be our hope and be our sure um, future and um, help us to learn to discern uh, in a way that we don't eliminate faith but we learn to trust faith and we look forward to what you're going to do in us and through us for your glory in Jesus name Amen, Amen. Thank you guys for